0: go to the star of the show let's pitch to brad nestler of cbs while alabama was beating georgia in the sec championship game my old friend rick flair used to say to be the man you got to beat the man so far you can't beat the man well so far is the key word right now i don't think rick flair thinks alabama is quote unquote the man but boy what a tribute by brad nessler and uh he's right alabama everybody picked georgia but alabama is the sec power and they certainly proved it at least for one more day
1: absolutely probably won that kid heisman trophy too
0: well what about your old buddy brad he came through man that's awesome
1: he did. He always does. He's always mentioned me. He's a tremendous guy.
0: Now, before we start talking wrestling, we're going to talk about Vader in just a second, take a deep dive into Rick's rivalry with him. But but first off, you are a Michigan guy. Yes. You're a coach Jim Harbaugh guy. Yes. And we know the seedings now for the college football playoff. And I think Michigan got screwed. I think Michigan should have been the number one seed and should be playing Cincinnati. Now they got a much tougher game with Georgia.
1: Yeah, well, I agree. But either way, they either had to beat Alabama or they had to beat Georgia. I think they can beat Cincinnati. I think any of the other
0: teams can too. I think Cincinnati's the clear-cut fourth seed. In fact, I think if Cincinnati had lost to Notre Dame or if Cincinnati and Notre Dame hadn't even played, which gave Cincinnati, admittedly, a very impressive win, I think Notre Dame would be the fourth team.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm all about Cincinnati being in there. I think it's great. They're undefeated. They deserve to be there. But I don't think that – I think it's the strength of schedule for the other three programs puts them ahead of Cincinnati. Then that's the only difference.
0: No question. And and it'll all play out in the playoffs. But let's move on to what everybody showed up for, and that's wrestling talk. And we're going to jump right to our friends and foes segment uh, immediately. And the foe is a a very memorable opponent of yours, uh, the late Leon White, better known as Vader. Uh, What was it like to work with the guy that big, Nate? Was Vader dangerous to work with? Was he one of the hardest hitters you've ever worked with?
1: One of the hardest hitters, but not dangerous at all. Um, I mean, when you got a guy 500 or 400 pounds, you know, jumping off the top rope on you, he was always, I, I always knew where he was. I felt very comfortable with him. He liked to rough you up a little bit, you know. But if you fought back, that ended really quickly. It took me a while to learn that, but um, you know, that's that old school. Once you wrestled in Japan, because that's what they do in Japan. They like they did back in that time frame. Like to rough you up a little bit, and uh, you either fought back or you got eaten alive. So with Vader, especially that night in uh, Charlotte with him, he was he didn't want to lose the title. You know, ever you can imagine, oh God, Ric Flair is going to get the title again. You know, you know that played out for me during that period of time in my life. But um, we ended up having a good match, and uh, um, you know, I've, I've always, I've always thought of Lein as being a really good worker. Um, I think that uh, some people took issue with how physical he was, but God, I've, after wrestling Brody and Hanson and all these guys over the years, I didn't, I didn't have an issue with it. I just and that particular night, I had to fight back a lot.
0: Well, imagine if Leon were still around today, what people would say about working with him. It's just a different time today. And we're going to talk about the match Rick's referring to, which is K 93, in just a moment. But Leon's strength aside, his agility for a big man was frightening. I thought, in many ways, that was his calling card.
1: Well, that, 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 that along with the fact that people have to remember, All-American of Colorado, first-round pick of the Rams. So the kid's an athlete, right? You know what I mean. He was an All-American football player at U.C., and then uh, I, I believe he was the first-round pick of the Rams. So it was obviously a good athlete, which brings a lot to the table, which you know lent to the fact that he was—I felt—extremely safe because he did a lot of stuff that could be that, that could that, that could hurt you if, if he wasn't careful.
0: Now you, you mentioned Stark. I'm not—I'm not
1: saying it wasn't in there, but it it you know—I didn't end up. In the hospital, <laughs>
0: anytime. Well, you mentioned k '93, which was a huge match, and that match was originally supposed to be Vader versus Sid Vicious. Yeah, but uh, but Sid got pulled from the match because he got in that very famous altercation with Arn Anderson. I believe that was in England, wasn't it?
1: Yes. Yeah. I I wasn't there. I was there. I didn't see it. But that was you know I I get along with Sid now. I didn't even know why why the conversation was the way it was. I've heard from Regal that Iron was sticking up for me because Vader kept, or uh, Sid kept saying, you oh, Flair's too old. He needs to, needs to move along. Well, I wasn't even a champion. So, I mean, I felt, I think at that point in time, that guys like Sid, not guys, a few guys, just felt like I needed to be gone from the business. So, you know, i have talking about it with Sid, and it, it's okay, I won't, I don't, I don't, bear any hard feelings towards him. Um, he has suffered one of the most horrific injuries I've ever seen in the ring. Uh, trying that kick that broke his leg in half. Um,
0: just just horrible.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and that was, um, Johnny Ace gave that to him. And it's, you know, it's something you haven't done before and, and it's gonna be your new finish. Then you've got to practice it a couple of times. It's, it's not to happen on live TV, you know what I mean? It was terrible. I, and I'll always uh, have a special place uh, in my heart for anybody that's been hurt that badly in the ring. I mean, like I've gotten to be good friends with T.J. Natty's husband. I look at Arnhead, that's from a victory roll from Marty Jannetty. All these years later, Iron has got that those neck issues that you know basically left his left hand. Um, you know, where it, it's like this. Does that make sense? Rather than a regular hand. Right. So with all the stuff that I've had and gone through my career, I'm, I'm really lucky. Because I certainly, I can remember the guys that dumped me on my head. You, you never forget those. The ones that dumped me <laughs> on your head, you never forget. But um, and anyway, getting back to Leon, he was just a big, rugged guy. He didn't want to lose that night. And uh, I, I think he thought that um, uh, you know that it was beneath him to put me over at that point in my career. But they went with it, it was a natural, it was in Charlotte, and they, it was one of the few times you'd asked me about this earlier, it was one of the few times my parents only got to see me wrestle three times in my career. I invited them the night that they came to Kansas City when I beat Dusty for the title the first time. They came to a show in Minneapolis, and then they were there at that night in, in Charlotte, as was my whole family. So that was really you know, in a un, unique, special occasion. Um, only equaled by the night with Shawn at WrestleMania where all my family was in the front row.
0: Now, I thought that the sell job, the packaging, the build-up to you versus Ray, uh, Vader yeah. at Starcade, which was, of course, you putting up your career against the world title. I thought that was done brilliantly because there was so much heat for that match and so much interest. Yeah. But everybody knew you were going to win. I mean, everybody knew you weren't done at that point. How did that match get over? So big when, you know, like I said, I thought the result was obvious.
1: Well, I don't know if they thought the result was obvious or not. You never know back then because they put me in so many precarious positions over the years, Mark. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) That wasn't like that was the first time that uh, I said I was going to retire. Remember, we did that with Hulk in the cage in Detroit. You were there that night, too. Um, I don't know what the event was. I wrestled Hulk. Halloween uh, Havoc. Yeah, Halloween Havoc.
0: Muhammad Ali yeah, was there.
1: Me, me, remember about my career was on the line there too.
0: Right, right.
1: Yeah, Tommy Hearns was there. It was it was a hell of a night. It was, it was fun and and Hulk and I always you know made made music. Sherry Martel put on one of the most phenomenal performances of all time. And Jimmy Hart was there. It was it was really entertaining. And of course Hulk's always fun to work with. And it was sold out. So
0: right as as was Charlotte with Vader. And it's worth noting that Harley Race. Was Vader's manager that was on the tenth anniversary yeah. of the first Starcade, which was you taking the title from Harley. Yeah. So I guess it kind of felt like things had come full circle that night.
1: Exactly. Harley, here's Harley. Ricky, if you don't get that big fat baby back, I'll never talk to you again. <laughs> <laughs> As he's throwing me back in the ring.
0: Right. That was Cause literally cause, at ringside, he was, correct?
1: Oh yeah, you would pick me. Vader pitched him out to me, pitched me out to Harley. I can't remember what Harley did, but he crappy. He said, "If you don't hit that big fat baby back, I'll never talk to you again."
0: <laughs> I thought Harley was a great manager, you know, because of his promo ability. How did he feel about doing that job? Some some ex wrestlers, you know, take to that like it. Some don't. Oh, he
1: loved it because at that point in his career, all he had to do was have fun. You know what I mean? He wasn't called upon to get in the ring every night, even though he could. You remember, he did the dive off the top rope during that match for the the flying headbutt. Uh, just having Harley race around anything made it more authentic. And you and you know the reason for that, Mark. I mean, we we could talk about Harley for 10 episodes of this, this program and never get all the stories in. No, no, for sure. Literally, the toughest guy, he used to tell Vader, shut up, you big fat baby. <laughs> hey, and and Lee, Leon never said a word back to him.
2: <laughs>
0: oh, no, I mean, as big as Leon was, and as old as Harley was at that point, in a fight between those two, there was only gonna be one winner.
1: No, one was gonna be a fight, and Leon wasn't gonna fight him. That, that's what I mean, <laughs> hey, and-, uh, and uh, nor, nor was anybody in our dressing room gonna fight him.
0: <laughs> now, uh, as you mentioned a moment ago, your mom and dad were there. And that was, if memory serves, That was one of the first times you put your family on camera. You did a few vignettes when you were leaving your house at Charlotte to go to the match, and, you know, your career was on the line. What was that like, doing that for the first time? And and do you regret it at all looking back?
1: Absolutely not. Those are some of the greatest memories of my life. I mean, to have them all there and to see, um, you know, both my girls so successful right now, who would have ever thought that uh, Ashley would grow up to become Charlotte and Megan is uh, married to Conrad, and they're they have a fabulous relationship, a fabulous marriage. My son's got two beautiful grandchildren, or two beautiful children in Charlotte. And you know, we lost a little man along the way, but he was he he loved the business and he would have been great at it. And then of course, look look at the guy I'm standing next to, Gene Oakland, the greatest of all time.
0: Yeah, that's that's just a heck of a picture there. Yeah and, um, it is. I think that was the first time I met Ashley too. If, yeah. if memory serves, I think. Did, or,
1: she, did or, she take
0: it down? <laughs> she could now. <laughs> I can tell you that with, with no problem whatsoever. Now you 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 did the match, and this is what was great about that match. I, I watched I watched the match on YouTube to bone up for talking about it. And you did that match as a total babyface underdog, yeah, which is so yep. rare for you. You won with the roll up. What was it like to to, to work the match that way? Because you did great. But that was kind of a foreign concept to you—not that you had never done it, but you had rarely done it.
1: Well, I just hate working babyface period because I, I, my skills were so limited. I'm a, I'm a heel, and that—I <clears throat> have worked babyface, obviously, a lot, um, just because the company made me. But I'm—I just—I'm I, I'm not. A, I don't have the—I don't have offensive skills to, that, that are required at, at that level. Of work to have ever been great. I mean, I can't do the stuff that Steamboat and Sean and God, so many other great baby faces could do.
0: See, see, I know what you, I know what you're saying, but but when you were popular and you were always popular, even as a heel, I mean, first off, I think you're overestimating your shortcomings as a babyface worker. Second off, I think if there was even a slight lack in that regard, the crowd more than made up for it every time. But that
1: well. That that was my home. That was my, in my back pocket, the crowd. <laughs> I knew how to get them. Uh, you know, it's funny. You get to the point when in in, in your life, when you're fighting for your life, <laughs> literally trying to keep up with the booking. You learn how to how to how to, you know, put yourself in, in or bring yourself. You present yourself in the worst case scenario. And that's what I had to learn how to do. Not with Leon by any means, but in just the various situations. So I knew going in that Leon didn't. We didn't talk before the match, <laughs> and so it was right up, to, right up, you know, to maybe five minutes before we went out there that they came up with the roll up, and I was fine. I didn't care. Um, but you know, it just it was sour grapes again. Here, God, Ric Flair is the world champion again. Why is that happening? But. I don't think there's anybody on the roster that night that could have given him a better match than me. Oh no, no way! I mean that. It, it no no knowing knowing that he had to put somebody over. He was not he wasn't cooperating.
0: Yeah, well, you got a bloody mouth out of it. That's evident in the yeah. pictures and on the video. Where, where do you remember specifically when you got the bloody mouth? Oh, well, I don't know.
1: If he went up. Um, I I blacked both his eyes. I mean, I would hit. I outside you can see the exchange outside the ring. Maybe 20 minutes into the match, where I had to light him up because he was beat—he was beating the, you know, beating the crap out of me. Not, not, not my body, but you know, hit me so hard in the ears, and I'd had that inner ear problem. So I said, "Okay, man, if we're doing this, we'll do it." But the minute I started hitting him back, he loosened up. So it—that's the way it is in the business. Very rarely does that happen, but when it does, you've either got to—you've <laughs> got to accept it, or you got to fight. You got to fight back. <laughs>
2: Now,
0: now, the the analysis of your babyface work aside, you've always hated being a babyface. Not just because of the work either. Why? Why? Aside from the work, the different style of work. Why do you hate it? Because I don't like to be
1: humble. <laughs> I'm terrible going. Oh, I hope I can do this. I hope I can do that. I'd rather say, you know, I'm this. I'm that. You know what I mean? And you can't all the stuff that came so natural to me and my and the arrogance and the things that I, the way I actually live my life, it's hard to do that and still be and still be, um, you know, come across as somewhat of a humble guy or, you know, look for their, the only guy I've ever seen that could do that, um, going back what i was saying, it could be as he he never had to change anything uh, was um, was Steve Austin. He, no matter what Steve did, right, he didn't have to change anything and and the fans loved him. Uh, And that, especially when it came to that stuff with, um, 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 with a Vince McMahon, where they had that, you know, phenomenal run against each other that, um, where Steve was clearly the baby face and Vince was, Vince was at that point in time, the the best heel in the business.
0: Now, Meltzer gave that match four and a half stars and called it mm-hmm. a defining moment for you and your most memorable title win that was at the time. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with that assessment? Um, say that to me one more time. He gave it four and a half stars out of five. Mm-hmm. and said it was a defining moment in your career and your uh, best title win to that point best title win ever in my career at that point? No, no, to that point in your career. Most memorable were the exact words he used. Oh,
1: yeah, I'll I'll go along with that, absolutely. But for the emotion that was brought to it, my family being there and everybody, um, yeah, I think it was absolutely um, a defining moment in my career. And certainly, you know, it gave me that position again. But I'll I'll give you an example of of where, where I was. And this is the kind of stuff that, that you think, think back on over the years when you bring us to tele- the next night when I was, um, it was um, Jeff Jarrett, and I against uh, the Steiners the next night in Columbia and, and Scott Steiner sent over that I'm, I'm I'm not putting him over Terry Taylor with the H and he said, what do I do? I said, do whatever you want to do. The very next night. Yep.
0: Wow. What, what, what finish did you do?
1: I can't remember. We didn't, when, I didn't go over. <laughs>
0: Wow. Yeah, that, that
1: that that's the way the company was run though. You know, they just did what they wanted to do.
0: Well, maybe, maybe Jeff put him over, right? I mean, that's what Jeff was there for anyway.
1: Um, I don't know, but I mean, first of all, why-
0: Rick, I'm just taking a shot at Jeff. I hope he hears
1: it. Oh, oh, oh yeah.
0: <laughs> I like Jeff.
1: Oh, I do too, yeah. I, can't, I don't know what the finish was, but what I'm saying is that, I just become the world champion, the next night I'm in a tag match. Which made no sense anyway. Why well, I'm in a tag match? And then um, you know they didn't want they didn't want to uh, didn't want to put me over. So that, that that I was at that point with with you know with Steiner and a couple other guys. It, was, it just became a war. It wasn't worth
0: it. Well, we'll talk a lot more about Scott Stein and the relationship with him in a, in a future episode. But I want to stay with uh, with Vader in that match. Now I was in the crowd that night, front row. I had a running conversation with Missy Hyde during the Nasty Boys match, which was very memorable. Uh, it's your hometown, Charlotte. I mean, the setting could not have been better, right? I mean, no. besides your family, the heat was incredible. That was one of the few wrestling matches I've ever been at where it felt like a real sporting event, where the people were legitimately invested in the result and not just suspending disbelief.
1: Yeah, now, well, this goes back to Dusty. Uh, as a matter of fact, AEW did the same exact angle with Cody about a year and a half ago, when he was going for the world title, do you remember? Yes. They left his home, and that, that was all. The you know, Dusty was great at choreographing and stuff like that, and Gene come to the house, the limousine ride, the conversation about it. And I think that made it, you know, I think I think it made it vi- viably believable that that I would retire.
0: Oh yeah, the set, the setup, the setup allowed you to think it might happen.
1: Yeah. yeah. As a matter of fact, I don't. I think they would have gone uh we would have. even if vader beat me we would have gotten a standing ovation i thought the match was that good now it was certainly it was certainly that solid
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was certainly impactful in in every way the word can be defined now why didn't vader get over bigger in wwe that surprised me when he went over there and he was just kind of a guy most of the time
1: i don't know i know i've heard the Hundred different stories, but without being having the exact scoop, I can't tell you. I don't think he got along well with Sean. Um, you know, I, mean, I heard they had some great matches. I I don't know. I I don't have the answer to that. I I, I mean, there are so many people ask me why he was why he's not in the Hall of Fame, and I I don't know have the answer to that either. He, he induct he inducted Stan Hansen, but they, but to this day,
0: Leon's not been in yet. Well, the way they do the Hall of Fame now, with consideration being given to careers outside WWE to some degree, he should absolutely 100% be in. Absolutely. And that leads me to my my next question. Well, not my next question, but let's talk about his time in Japan. Mm -hmm. Because he was so big in Japan. And I remember he squashed Inoki the first night in. Yes, I mean, talk about getting over. He squashed Antonio Inoki the first night in.
1: Yeah. Well, that stuff works well in Japan. I'm not, I'm not sure that works well here anymore. It did probably years ago. But I think that um, I, I like anyway, personally, if I'm going to have if I have everything to say about it, I'm going to have the guy at least be able to display enough of his uh, is um, enough of his skills to to show the people what what they're looking forward to seeing or what they're going to start investing their emotions in, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, but
1: with uh, Leon with the big helmet and everything, they're they're in, like in Japan, they love the, they're so ceremonious, it's right. all that stuff. And the fans are so wild over there and so crazy, as you know, I mean, we've, I've had harder times being on last at the Budokan. It's a, it's a fight to get to the bus, get getting through the fans. And they're not trying to hurt you. They just want to touch you. There's nobody trying to stab you like that, like we've had here in the states in the old days. But they just wanted to touch you. It's a war. Um, but you know, you get on the bus, you start drinking beer, and head to the next town.
0: <laughs> it, it's funny because I watched that squash of of uh, Vader over Anoki, and to be fair, Vader wrestled Anoki right after he had wrestled a match before that, which gave Anoki, I guess, kind of an out. But the Mm. reaction of the fans was unbelievable. They actually rioted. They threw chairs and whatnot. Oh, yeah. Which is so rare in Japan for the fans to behave like that. Not really. Not when Brody and Hanson were there, it was the same thing. Yeah, but they threw the first chair all the time.
1: Yeah, well, okay. But no, the fans, they loved, they can't, it's not not so much that way now, but they can't get, get enough, they can't get enough of wrestling. They love it over there. They did. It's you know it's been diluted now, but when the two major factions, um,
0: right, All Japan, New Japan,
1: All Japan, New Japan, were going head up. I mean, the guys, the Americans, were making big money. The Americans versus the Japanese, the Americans against the Americans. It was, it was huge. You know, it was a great avenue for guys to make a lot of side income.
0: Now, one thing about Vader that always impressed me, and, and this ties into the Inoki match that debut in New Japan, he was great at squash matches. Yeah. I mean nobody was better at squash matches and I don't know are squash matches an art? I mean is there a certain way to do them to maximize those?
1: Uh, well I'm not like I said I'm not a fan of them. I, but if you have a guy like Vader with a little guy I mean you have you have no choice. I mean I, I, I sometimes the matches go too short and sometimes the, the top guys are wrestling too long. Especially uh, if the guy has skills but if nobody knows who he is, that
0: makes sense? No, no, for sure, for sure. And yeah, I agree. I think there's a fine line between too short and too long. If it's too short, you don't see enough. If it's too long, you maybe expose the guy a little bit.
1: Yeah, it's like Jack Mulligan used to tell me, Rick, you got four minutes, maybe five, to show them something that makes you different than everybody else. That, and that's basically, that. I, he told me that in 1978, and it stuck with him my whole life. You know, it's like it's like Ash when Ashley does that moonsault, that the corkscrew, she separates herself from everybody else. That's just one move she does. But we, then you take that with all the other stuff. I'm just using her as an example. you have a signature bump or a signature move, that people like, I used to wait to see Ray Stevens go upside down. Boy, we didn't. I was out of my mind. That makes sense. I waited the whole match for Ray to go upside down.
0: No, 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 no question. I know what you mean. It's like, it's like when you would do the drunk fall or the turnbuckle flip, yeah, yeah, which was yeah, what yeah. Ray did. I always, you know, if I, if I didn't see that. I, I couldn't do nearly as good as Ray. Ray'd go over the top out to the floor every time. Well, if I didn't see that, I always felt cheated or figured you had a rough night the, the night before. Now. uh Oh, really? Really? I've been there huh. and done that, pal. <laughs> is, uh is anybody now comparable to Vader? Does anybody remind you of Vader? You know who I thought? was a little bit like vader and i'm kind of ad-libbing this so our great producer by the way i want to thank our great producer steve kaufman because i often forget to do that uh does a tremendous job with with us two miscreants but i i think Braun Strowman, who's not working anywhere right now he had a little bit of vader in him
1: he did he did absolutely yeah but uh uh Braun, just a real nice guy he doesn't he doesn't have a mean streak in him that makes sense yeah and i think that actually served <laughs> vader well don't you yeah, I, I wouldn't say, it, it, Vader was half bully, half tough.
0: No, he was more bully than he was tough, let's be honest.
1: No, I know. I said half bully, half tough. Right. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, no, no question. But
1: it, no, he, he, rough, he roughed up the guys he could get away with with, you know what I mean? But it, at the same time, in, in this business, if you don't fight back, if you didn't fight back, you were going to get eaten alive anyway. The 70s especially, Wow.
0: Now we're going to move on. Uh, great stuff on Vader Nates. Great, uh, great memories there. We're going to talk about friends now, plural, because we're going to talk about your history as a tag wrestler. Now, uh, unless I miss my guess during our conversations, you don't particularly care for working tags, do you? I do with the right people.
1: Yeah, I just
0: you know some people have
1: chemistry, some don't. Does that make sense?
0: Oh no, no question. And yeah, and I, th-
1: I I I I would not call myself a good tag team wrestler by any means. Why is that? Because I like to be in the ring too much. <laughs> 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 it's as simple as that. I never like getting out. Now, but I did have a great run with Greg Valentine. So, uh, and Rip Hawk, um, who was my first tag team partner ever, he was an older guy, a very nice and very well qualified older guy, giving me the rub to go, yeah, where'd you get that?
0: Sure. Look, so, look at those sunglasses. Wow. I know.
1: I know. I know. Do, do you still have those? I I know. But no, I threw them away long ago. <laughs> 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 but Rip was a great guy. He used to say to me, and he always dressed nice, too. So I kind of got a little of that clothing rub from, from Rip, you know? But he knew all the places, and I was like the young guy. And so... Um, and I, I love to go out and drink and a party. And, and he the Rip just loved me. He learned to love to be, hang out with me. <laughs> so, <laughs> I just brought the fraternity house from college on the road in the business.
0: Well, yeah, but the <laughs> business was already a fraternity house on the road. You just you just brought your own special <laughs> flair, no, no, no pun intended. But by my count, you were a tag champ eight times. So you think Greg Valentine was probably your best partner? And if so, why was that?
1: I think as our best partner, uh, we just had good chemistry. I, I was the guy that you know took all the bumps and flew around, and Greg was a solid grinding ground attack. Um, you know, just like his dad. You know, his dad um, <laughs> used to say to me, "But could I tag with John a lot before the before the airplane crash?" And John would say, "Why do you let those guys throw you across the ring into the ropes?" You'll never look back at, in the in library and see a picture of Johnny Valentine getting thrown from a turnbuckle to another one. He wouldn't do it. He'd say, why are you letting those guys throw you in the ropes? I said, because that's what Wahoo told me to do. He said, well, it's not real. Nobody believes that. Who can throw you in the ropes if you don't want to go? <laughs> I mean, John had, a diff- John had a different mindset, but it took him forever to get over. I mean, I watched It took for a year. You get him over, and I think, my God, just laying there in that front face, like, ah, you know, how boring is this? But when he got over, it was we were sold out, and then all of a sudden, plane crash came, and you know, the, the misfortune of that. But John Valentine had a whole different Johnny, a whole different psychological point of view than I I could ever fathom. But I really enjoyed. I listened to him, and he was fun, and. Uh, and, of course, I did my best to entertain Johnny Valentine, who will, will always remember as one of the greats. You know, he wrestled Rogers, O'Connor. He, anybody that drew big money in St. Louis you know, was, was, a, was a top star.
0: Now, uh, I liked you and Valentine. Greg Valentine is a team. I liked you and Blackjack Mulligan. And you and Piper were even yeah. WWE Tag Team Champs at one point.
1: Yeah, what a rib. <laughs> Vince, Vince just said, you know, I'll give you two clowns one more day.
2: <laughs> yeah, but good. it was great. <laughs> nature was, it
1: was great. No, it was fun. It was. And then, of course, we flew to Europe, right? You know the story, right? And the first day we land, we're going to wrestle uh, against, I can't remember who, for the titles and, and when. And Roddy got sick in the dressing room. So the doctors came and they wouldn't let Roddy wrestle. So we did something real quick where you know, we got beaten and they sent Roddy back to the hotel and bought him a ticket to go home the next day. And they told him not to drink because he was having intestinal problems, right? So I went back to the hotel. I went up to his room he'd already drank 12 beers <laughs> and had smoked two joints. I said, you're supposed to be sick. <laughs> he, he said, I'm fine, I'm fine, I, get up. I don't I'm fine. I know what I'm doing. So wait. Anyway, I kept track of him all the way till he got to Portland, <laughs> he told me, this is the guy that was really tough. I mean, mentally tough. Roddy was. He, he landed a terminal C, or terminal D or F or something like that in Chicago O'Hare. As you know how big that is, right? <laughs> to walk all the way down. I said, "Why didn't you get a wheelchair?" <laughs> he got on the plane, flew to Portland, and they checked him right in the hospital.
0: He had cancer. It was brutal. Oh, that was the first they found out about it.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: wow, yeah. He didn't even call
1: his wife, he didn't want to scare her. He got off the plane, went this is the way Roddy was. He didn't want to scare Kitty. He got off the plane, went and checked himself in the hospital. Nobody could find him for a week. Oh, he, didn't yeah. to, he didn't want to scare Kitty and the kids. I mean, they, they were that, that 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 was his safe place. I mean, he never brought him around the business, that was his safe place. But rather than scare Kitty, he went and checked in to find out exactly what was wrong.
0: Now, you and Steamboat team, some. how often did that occur and, and what was that like? That, you know, the, the, the,
1: we sold out more matches. Funny brother that, Steamboat and I against Baron Von Raschke and Paul Jones, we took that around and sold out more as much as Steamboat and I did as, as a tag team. Raschke and uh, great Jim Raschke and Paul Jones, who passed away, I think Jim is still
0: living, Oh, Jim, Jim was just, uh, Rashky was just on the AEW show in Minneapolis. He put, uh, I forget who, but he put a guy in the brain cloth for a second at ringside. Don't be great. <laughs> I can't wait to see him. Yeah. Um,
1: I see him periodically, but he, he, what a great guy. Um, yeah, we did great with Steamboat and I were partners. We did great. Yeah. But once again, it's two different styles. Steamboat who can work with anybody. Greatest babyface of all time. Um, and I just kind of went up and down the apron and got in. I certainly couldn't follow his stuff, so I just added to what I could. But, you know, Baron was, you know, big, you know, guy that lunged you in. You came in hard, great amateur wrestler, but you never know what he never. He never took you down and rode you around like Jack Briscoe has me a couple of times. <laughs> um, he just a uh, great guy. We, we drew big money. Steamboat got over. When he got over, boy, it was it was unbelievable.
0: Now, what's the difference between tag team wrestling or just four guys wrestling? Do you, do you know what I mean? Like, some guys turn tag team wrestling into a science. Some guys just go in there and do the stuff they would do if they were wrestling a singles match.
1: Well, that's why Arn didn't like being my partner. He said, you don't know shit about being a tag team wrestler. I said, you're right. <laughs> well, what, what did he mean by that? Well, because Iron you know, kind of came up under the two leagues of Oli, Right. And iron's favorite wrestler with Slater was completely different, totally different than Ole. But um, you know, the Andersons grabbed that hold and wrote it and wrote it and wrote it. And uh, you know, that was that old school. The Andersons and Wahoo and Paul Jones did an hour and then an hour and a half to every town in the territory twice. Wow. Yeah. And here's and here's Wahoo, right? We talked about how tough he was last week. Wahoo um, would drink all night. They'd play 18 holes of golf and go out and wrestle an hour that night. Then drink all night again. <laughs> when, Wah- when Wahoo got, uh, was diagnosed with diabetes and they, they told him to quit drinking, he doubled the dosage of insulin and kept drinking Crown row <laughs>
0: I'm not sure that was what the doctors no. want, but but yeah.
1: That,
0: that was Wahoo. You could Goodbye! But- you,
1: you, you couldn't tell him. I, I can't. I mean, the, the things that we put ourselves through back in the day is just to survive. Um, you know, I don't look back at it. I mean, I don't regret any of it, but I, you know, I, it's so much fun, but it, you you meet so many different interesting people in this line of work, and I've seen them all. I mean, literally, I, I'm, you know, that Buddy Rogers walking across the dressing room to me, and I I know I'm stepping off the path here, but walking up to me in the dressing room Greensboro and saying, Kid, I'm the only diamond in this business. There's only one diamond in this business, kid, and you're looking at (laughs) him. Hence, diamonds are forever. There you go. There you go. Only one diamond in this business, kid, and you're looking at (laughs) him.
0: Now, uh, and we're going to, I don't know if we're going to get to it today, but we're going to go over the history of the Nature Boy character. But a couple short subjects I want to touch on. Uh, Ricky, you took Roger's stuff to
1: a whole new.
0: Wow. Oh, that's Harley, right? Harley said that.
1: Yeah. Ricky, you took Roger's stuff to a whole new level.
0: <laughs> now, now here's a big debate elsewhere. Jeff Jarrett, who has a podcast, and I love Jeff and loved working with him, and what a great storyteller he is. Was Jeff Jarrett ever really a horseman? That's been a big debate. No. He wasn't. I
1: don't think so. No. Of course, there were the so damn many interchangeable horsemen at the end. <laughs> I don't know. One day, I mean, Sid was for a while. I mean, was just, um, you know, to have such a phenomenal gimmick, I mean, not gimmick, but to have such an elite deal. I mean, to this day, I was just in Philly, as you know, signing autographs with Pete Rose. And if I took 200 pictures, uh, which I did probably 190, which they call them photo ops, a hundred of the people want me to go like this. How did I to go like this? Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, yeah. This, this was still so over. <clears throat> so, you know, it'll always be me, until Tully, and J.J. So, anyway, shout out to J.J. because I raised that really well. I hope he hears this.
0: Yeah, uh, and J.J. was such a big part. And it's oh, funny because... Huge. And we'll, we'll huge. do we'll do a deep dive into J.J. Dillon on a later episode. But I was shocked to learn in, in, in doing some research for the podcast, Nate, JJ Dillon didn't start in the business till he was 29. What a late start and to have such a long career.
1: Yeah, you know what he did? He was booking Amarillo. He was booking Amarillo for the Funks.
0: What when, when he started?
1: Him. When no no, when I first met him. Oh, right. He was booking Amarillo and working for the Funks. That was 1972. And then of course I, I met I we got together later on in the years and that, but he he's underrated as a manager. He's a good talker and he got in the ring when he had to you know the, the war games in, in atlanta which was crazy you know it was me iron tully and i think uh barry at that time were luger against the road where Sting stinging dusty right and at the end hawk hawk just grabbed jj and put him up on his shoulders and <laughs> animal did and
0: a <laughs> one oh, for the do- for the doomsday device yeah,
1: yeah no yeah but we were in a cage and JJ they nobody rehearsed it. Hawk animal just grabbed him, threw him on his shoulders. Hawk got up on the top rope, close by J.J. J separated his shoulder. <laughs> he was screaming. <laughs> I said, Hey, I love you, JJ, but I'm not pissing the Hawk off, okay? <laughs> well, was, we always kept Hawk out until last night when when he came in there, brother, the shit was on. No kidding clothesline, potato, punch in
0: the eye, nose, mouth,
1: <laughs> until he blew up.
0: <laughs> well, it, it's funny because whenever JJ was in war games or you had Big Bubba as War Machine one time under a mask, I hate to say it, but you always knew who was going to lose.
1: Yeah, exactly. But you know what? It didn't matter. We sold out anyway. <laughs> yeah,
0: war, war <laughs>
1: hey, 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 There was a list on the wall, Dusty point? If it was checked by your name, it went... T- t- I said, put a check by my name every night. What the hell?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because NXT just did a War Games, but they don't do it the same. I mean, I'm not criticizing it, but they, you know, I think they have an open top cage. They just don't quite do it the same. And I really like the original concept of War Games, and it was so unique at the time.
1: Uh, it was, it was, and it drew big money with 35,000 people in the Orange Bowl. You know what I mean? I mean, it, we, it, it worked everywhere we went with it, and it was. You know, it was, it was everything people liked. It was people that were over as individuals, people that were over as tag team partners, and and it was blood and guts. And it was it was in there. Those those cage matches, when you're working with guys that solid, there, there's no time off. If mean, you get thrown into the cage by a guy like Animal or Hawk, or you know any of us, when you throw a guy into a cage. You know, and to me, if you put your hands up, you're, you shouldn't be in a to begin with. You're taking that cage full on the face, it's a lot. You know, it hurts, but it, you know, two hours later, if ten beers in, you, you don't remember anything. So, <laughs> well, uh, which, which was which was always the case, right? Not not just beak. For... I heard you holler, beak.
0: Quit blow drying your hair. The bar's waiting. <laughs> Well, those were the real war games as, as far as I was concerned now um, we'll, we'll probably we were going to do a history of the nature Boy character, but we've had so much great stuff we might save that for a later episode. so let's skip ahead to uh, our our weekly look at, at some current wrestlers. Mm-hmm last number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. There has never been a better time to refinance than right now. With real estate being so hot, your house could be worth more than ever. SaveWithConrad.com can help you use that new equity to pay off your credit cards or get rid of your PMI, saving you thousands. Interest rates are still at historic lows, but experts expect the rates to rise next year. Let's SaveWithConrad.com get you the best rate you've ever had and save thousands. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket, and you won't make another payment until
2: next year. Hurry to SaveWithConrad.com.
0: And we got some interesting ones to look at today. I'm curious to know what you think of Darby Allen, the, the kid who's partnered with Sting and yeah, AEW. I, I, I met him. The first time I saw him, I said, that this guy has no chance. He's too small. It's a little bit goofy. But you know what? He's awesome. He's an awesome worker. And he taps into that skater culture, that grunge type of culture. And, and it, it's he's just, I, I can't say enough good about the kid. Well, yeah, there, there's nothing you can say about good.
1: He's a kamikaze pilot. I, when I watched him do that thing and dive off the rope backwards with his hands at his side, the first time I saw him do it, I came out of the chair. I mean, you talk about what we were what we were discussing earlier about doing something that will make everybody take attention immediately. And and the thing I thought last week with Sting and Darby Allen and. Uh, Billy Gunn and his boys. I thought it was fantastic. How, how proud do you think Billy Gunn is of those two boys, huh? Oh, no question, no question. And, 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 and Billy looks like he's thirty-five years old. I mean, it's great. I know that I'm I'm the older saying this, and I'm not saying it's the best part of the show, but it certainly is a very entertaining part of it. Oh, no and question. And, and and Sting, you know, I love like he's my own kid. you know What I mean.
0: Well, I think Darby has gotten a good rub from Sting. I think there's oh, just yeah. enough similarity in their look and their characters kind of the, the loner type deal where it's done Darby and for that matter, Sting a lot of good, but where I love the Darby Allen gimmick. And, and and don't forget Darby Allen was Darby Allen long before he got to AEW. He did the same thing on the independent scene. I didn't know that. No, but yeah. yeah, And I'll, 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 this is long winded. So forgive me, but remember a show that I, that was number one on TV for years called big bang theory with Kaylee Cuoco. Sure. Okay. Sure. When that came on the air. A lot of people didn't like it because it was it was just, you know, a typical, you know, it was like a remake of Friends with different people. But yeah, I said at the time and it was it was proved true. This is going to work because it it, it taps into nerd culture, computer culture, that type of thing with the with the four characters kind of swarming around the beautiful girl. And I said, it's going to work because it's different. It's well executed, but mostly it's different. Same thing with Darby Allen. What Darby's doing, I mean, the work's phenomenal, but that character's never been seen before.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's absolutely phenomenal. I I, I couldn't agree with you more.
0: Now, uh how how does a guy that's small overcome his size? And, I,
1: and, and he's a very, very nice guy, very humble.
0: i I never met him, but I've been I've been told the same. But yeah. like that suicidal stuff, like the the coffin drop. I mean, that's just again, how many guys have ever done something like that? That reminds me almost of that that headbutt from the top, like Harley did.
1: Yeah, exactly. Or, and, and, and I just hope that when he's 35 years old, he can walk. Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> legitimate fear. No, that's that's what I told Foley. I used to tell Foley, he thought I meant, I think he's, you know, he always, like, Nick's kind of, or Mick is the kind of guy that if you're not careful with your choice of words, he takes offense to it. But I, I said one time, we were doing a live, something for a show, and I said, you're, 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 you you should you, you're lucky you're alive, <laughs> you know what I mean, and I meant but I meant because of what he's put himself through, not that he's not that he should retire. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I know he was he was upset about our choice of words in in the Ric Flair book.
1: Yeah, that was a receipt.
0: Yeah, well, I know, and I actually think the description holds, but I I think Darby Allen is is a bit more than that, and just one last quick shout out to him. Uh, This is an obscure music reference, but when I saw his name and his character, I said, okay, Darby Crash, Gigi Allen, I'm on your side, kid. And he's done nothing to disappoint me since then. Now, a guy that's not wrestled much lately, and I'm not sure if he will again, I want to talk about Samoa Joe. Yeah. Because I think he is one of the most underrated performers in recent wrestling history. Yeah, I like Joe a lot, too. Why, why, Why is he not wrestling now? Well, he was doing announcing in WWE. I think he was on NXT, but I, I can't remember the last time he's wrestled. I don't know what the future plans for him are.
1: I don't know either. I haven't heard. Of it, but I well, and I
0: don't know. I don't know about his physical health either. I think that kept him out of the ring for a bit as well.
1: Yeah, I don't have the answer. I I like Joe a lot. I was with him at uh, TNA, and then of course I spent some time with him at uh, WWE. when I was you know going over there and you know visiting with Ashley and all the kids. So. Um, I got I got a lot of time for him, but I think he's good on the mic.
0: Oh, I think he's very good at the mic.
1: You know, no, he he he's one of the few guys that when he grabbed Lesnar, it was believable.
0: Yeah, and when he does the real guy stuff, it's believable. Like yeah, that series yeah. he had in that one match in particular in TNA with Kurt Angle yeah. was just outstanding. And he's he's one hundred percent believable.
1: Yeah, and like I going back to what I said last week, those Samoan kids are not only tough, but all of them can work. They can all work, and they're tough kids.
0: Well, his work within the context of, like, the Kurt Angle thing, who's a legitimate shooter and an Olympic gold medalist, was, again, just phenomenal. I I watched that match almost as much as I watched, like, Flair Steamboat from 89. That's how impressed I was.
1: Well, that's not good crazy.
0: I said almost as much. (laughs) Yeah, I, I hope Joe gets one more run. Because I, I just, like, watch the work. I, he's great, yeah. He's,
1: to me, he's very talented. I I, I didn't, I knew he had a, an injury, but I can't even remember what kind it was. But, um, no, he and I have talked. I, I enjoyed being around him. He's a very nice guy.
0: Well, see, I thought when he was in TNA, I thought TNA had a better run for a while than, than it was given credit for, and I thought he was a big part of that. I just think TNA came along at a point where... Wrestling was kind of at low tide, especially a secondary promotion behind WWE. But I thought some pretty good stuff went on there, and he was a big part of that.
1: I, I thought I did, too. I did, I, I'm glad I didn't have to wrestle with him, because I was, at that point, I don't know if I could handle a big guy like that. <laughs> He's a big, tough kid. Now, uh, let's talk about Rey Mysterio Jr. He, he, he and AJ had some good matches.
0: Yes, they sure did. Sure yeah, did. Yeah, let's yeah. talk about Rey Mysterio Jr. and My when well, I, I remember when he was just a, literally a kid working in ECW was the first time I met him he was just out of his teens and now he's still going what a phenomenal career he's had he's working with his son which i know is is of great uh, of great reward yeah. to him but he really i mean we we like to say about a million performers nate that so and so changed the business he really did change the business
1: he did absolutely uh if jushin lager if they're going to give jushin lager that credit which they have right for lager lager for 30 years ago, then Ray changed, um, you know, within the last 20 years. Sure did.
0: Now, now, how did he... He was a guy, when I first saw him, I thought, okay, this guy's too small. How did he overcome that?
1: Skill. Skill, charisma, great gimmick, wonderful guy, great attitude, and a businessman. And he can do anything.
0: Yeah, he really can. I mean, I've never seen any spot that he blew. And he, he's tried so much new stuff, and... Yeah. He, he was a real innovator, even among the luchadors back when.
1: Absolutely. And keep in mind, he's had like seven knee surgeries. So, it, you know, he's not a rookie. He's 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 put his body through a lot. He's another guy that I just hope later in life isn't all banged up to the point where he's not, not comfortable. You know what I mean?
0: Well, one thing I think really helped Ray, too, was for a little guy, he had a great body. I mean, even yeah. though oh he God. was small, I mean, you know, just his – his definition and, and his size within the context of his bulk was astounding and still is, really.
1: Yeah, exactly. He's always still. He, he puts a lot of time into his, his training, his physique. But you brought up a really good point. He's really having a good time with Dominique, who is really, really going to be good. Uh, he's still, you know, if you, look, if, you, if you look at it carefully, I haven't watched Dominic lately, but when he first came up, he was working, you know, off his left arm rather than his right. Did you notice that?
0: I, I did not, but he trained. With land Storm, so yeah, it's hard to believe that that's the case.
1: Well, I think he wrestled too much in Mexico. They was working with his left arm. Yeah. Oh,
0: right, because they work from the left there, don't they?
1: Yeah, they do. Yeah.
0: Wow, I couldn't. Yeah. Im- Boy, you know what? Now that you mention it, because whenever I watch like A or whatever, and especially the older matches, like you know on YouTube or whatever with with Santo, yeah. it is yeah. weird. It is weird for like five minutes when you when you see that. Hey, yeah, and I'll give you an example: the matches that
1: Andrade and Ray had on TV were, you know, I mean, you, if you start ranking the good matches over the years, that series was pretty really big time, too.
0: How much longer do you think Ray's going to go? Ray's got to be 45, right? He'll go until, you know... It's, he might He might be older than that. I, you know, I think he'll go until
1: he doesn't feel uncomfortable. He's he's, he's done so well. He He's one of the biggest marketing guys they have ever had with the company. With the mask, and he's been able to be masked, unmasked, you know what I mean? <clears throat> Come back and they never get tired of it. And he's over. He'll always be over.
0: Okay, I got it right here. Ray's 46 years old. That's about what I figured. You're right. I mean, in terms of popularity, he can go as long as he wants, I think. Yeah. And, I th- and I think he's going to try to stick with Dominic as long as he possibly can.
1: Absolutely. Why wouldn't he, right? That, that, that and Because Dominic will go on to become a big, huge star in his time. During his time in the future.
0: I would guess, and I think this has been discussed, Nate, and it makes sense. I would guess that at some point, Dominic puts the mask on and continues that tradition. Maybe he's uh, Prince Mysterio Jr. or whatever. Maybe.
1: I don't know. It's kind of hard to follow in the footsteps uh, and uh, and identically trace the footsteps of someone as great as Ray. But Dominic's going to be successful whether he puts a mask on or not. He's got a lot of skill. And, And he's a big kid. He just just started to fill out.
0: Now, I want to talk about Jeff Hardy. My hero. Uh, uh, Just an unbelievable performer. What's your take on Jeff as a single as opposed to in a tag team with Matt? I think the Hardys are one of the best tag teams of all time. But I think Jeff, I mean, you can make an argument for him as a single for being one of the best of his generation. Oh, absolutely. You
1: know, it's funny, and and I don't mean this with any mouse, but every time they try to write Jeff off, Jeff comes back. <laughs> you kids can't. That, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? No, no, but I'm saying, you know, you going to put Jeff in a scenario where he gets beat one day. You'll think, why, why they do that, right? And then three weeks later, he's back out there and they put him in a scenario where he's winning. And, you know, even though that, um, you know, for a, a guy that's such a fan of Jeff, I don't see ever there being that low or that slump. Because I think Jeff is so great. I mean, the two bumps, that are the most impressive bumps I've ever seen in my life, which, is, once again, saying a lot, is Foley with Undertaker with the cage, right? Boom. And I don't mean the one on the table. The one where he went through and his teeth went through his lips and all that. And then the other was Edge, Spear, and Jeff Hardy midair off the ladders. Oh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. I saw that and I went, my God, and I've seen some shit. I mean that was some serious shit and Jeff you know we had I had Jeff on the podcast before we'll grab him for one of these coming up in the future but that kid has done some incredible stuff and not look at Edge coming back now I, Edge I think Edge is better right now than he was before he retired
0: I, I think you might be right because I think when a guy like Ken comes back and has some time off and is working a limited schedule and can kind of like boil everything he doesn't do, everything he does Done into just you know a match here and there. I think that bodes well. I think I think history's proven that, and not just with Edge. Yeah, I, I think Edge
1: can could, could work a full schedule. I mean, I I know his contract doesn't call for that, but that kid's got himself in great shape. He looks good. His interviews are some of the best. His interviews now are better than I think at any time in his career. I mean, I just I love the stuff Edge is doing. I can't get enough of him.
0: Well, one thing that the Hardys did, and that Jeff in particular did. And I'm not sure if it's the case now because, you know, obviously Jeff's been around for a number of decades, but the Hardys appealed to kids. Yes. And and one thing that I don't think, and Nate, I mean, it's very sincerely because I work in real media, you know what I mean? And I think that gives me a different perspective. I don't think any wrestling company has ever taken somebody that appealed to kids and marketed that properly. I just don't think they get how to do it. I don't think they get how to capitalize on it. And I think the Hardys. Are evidence of that. I think a more recent example when Bailey did the gimmick with the side pony when she first started out, and you saw little girls in the crowd with the side pony, they yeah. should have perpetuated that as long as they could, and instead they, it seemed like they couldn't get away from it fast enough. Oh, uh, but I, a, I, you know, I know Bailey pretty well. I
1: think it was her idea. Well, then it was a bad idea. Um. Well, but here's the thing. She's done. Been- Bailey is one of these people that not only is a hell of a worker, but she can facilitate they whatever role they put her in. She's damn good at the stuff that she did with um, Bianca Blair, where they were matching to have the test of strength or whatever was a couple years ago when Bianca first came up, I thought was some of the best stuff. I mean, you know, for two athletes, but, you know, we obviously we all agree. You have to have some entertainment in the show. And the stuff between Bailey and uh, Bianca Blair was really entertaining. I, I'm a big. I I hundred. I hundred percent agree. I, I'm a
0: big fan of Bailey. She just wanted to. Be, she wanted to turn heel. Yeah, that it was a bad move. I'm going to be blunt. I mean, you can't that that kids appeal is organic, mm-hmm. and you have to milk that as long as you can. One last thing about about Jeff Hardy. Even though they're in different companies now, don't you think the Hardys will finish up as a team somewhere? I don't know where, but somewhere. Well, I don't think Jeff will ever leave WWE. Um, um, so you think Matt would have to go there for that to happen?
1: Oh, I don't know if they'll ever end up together. I, I can't predict that. I uh, I talk to Beth and, and Jeff you know, once a month, maybe twice a month. We're, we're pretty close friends. And uh, I don't see you talking to Matt as much. I see him once in a while, but it's not like... I mean, I've had more... <laughs> Shocker, I know you hate it when I say this, but I've had more fun with the Hardys than was overseas tours oh no the hardy's are great i mean i, I you know oh, oh you have no idea i smoke cigarettes with jeff hardy out in the balcony at 3 a.m when everybody else was sound asleep i said jeff i'm 57 years old why am i smoking a cigarette with you out here in the balcony
0: well it's it's funny I, I i talk with i i communicate with matt uh mostly through through twitter and uh yeah. you know i remember when they were the new kids and you know i yeah. met them and they were like you know they were like and, and now you know i'm older and they're old too but uh hey time marches on one last guy i want to talk about before we get to some
1: well I'll, let's just look, look i i love both matt and jeff no question so me too I, I, I and and my final analysis of that i just want them both to be happy no question they just, yeah, and, and I they, hope they end up together.
0: And they are awesome performers, no question. Awesome. Always have been and still yeah. are today. One last guy, Mark Henry, who's uh, now in a part-time role with AEW. I don't feel WWE ever got as much as they could out of him, and that wasn't to, to his uh, failing. I think they made a mistake. Remember the stuff they did with him and Mae Young? I do briefly, yeah. Uh, well, Mark, you know, uh,
1: first of all, Mark and I are very close friends. Um, He's probably mad at me right now because every time Texas gets our ass whipped, I text him. As I do, Mark. I haven't heard from either one of them recently. <laughs> so they're big UT guys, as you know. But Mark has had some bad injuries over the years, and I think that's that that has sidelined him a lot. So um, the main way I, I barely, I barely remember that. But um, well, it was
0: a thing where he impregnated May Young, and she gave birth to a hand, and it was like real lowbrow humor. And I got to tell you, I think when you have a great athlete like Mark Henry, who literally is the world's strongest man. World class. I don't think you involve him in comedy. I think that's a mistake. And once you see that, you can't unsee that. And I kind of wonder if that contributed to him maybe not being as over as he could have been, as I thought he should have been.
1: I, I you know, I don't remember the skit exactly, so I, I can't comment. I just can tell you he's a good guy, legitimately, um, like you said, the world's strongest man, not according to Ken Patera. <laughs> That's ongoing. Every time I see Mark, I go, Ken says he never broke his
0: records. (laughs) I don't think Mark Mark Henry likes me. He blocks me on Twitter. I don't know why. Well, who wouldn't like you? Uh, That's what I said. But uh, you know know what I I think it might have been? I forget if it's his brother or his cousin. Kevin Henry used to play for the Steelers. And you know me how I talk about the Steelers, so maybe that had something to do with it. <laughs> maybe I don't know. Here's I only have I only have two wrestlers that have blocked me: Who? Mark Henry and Dax Harwood. Who, who's Dax Harwood? The guy from FTR. Who? The guy from FTR. Oh, oh Dax. Why would Dax do that? I don't. I, I don't know. Huh? I th- we met. I thought we got along. We see wrestling the same way. Next time I see him, I'm going to ask him because I think you know those guys are a great tactic No, I do too. God, are me iron all over again. This is the, this is the Ric Flair show, but do we have time for one quick Mark Madden story? Woo! I have talked at length about wrestlers who have blown me off, correct? Yes. Jay Lethal being the biggest example. Guess who blew me off at an indie show Saturday who? night? Chris Hero.
1: Well, see, I don't know who that is. Well, there you <laughs> go. But he was in NXT
0: <laughs> for a while, was in Ring of Honor. He did a real good gimmick in Ring of Honor with Cesaro as the kings of wrestling tag team yeah but uh-huh. i went up and introduced myself hey i'm mark man used to work for wSW he, he he shakes my hand goes hey how you doing and just went back to what he was doing huh and i almost said you son of a bitch i've made more money every year in the last 20 than you <laughs> but i just shut <laughs> up and went and talked to people who like me nate that's how i am you know that
1: yeah well hey you know what we can't make everybody happy but we yeah. got a show. We're having a lot of fun with it. And oh no
0: question. I'll, I'll
1: any, give, any, any, anything that's being discussed here is as legitimate as it could be, and I no I, 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 try, I try to give you the best possible answers, and you do. I know all the. I know all these guys, and um, I'm gonna give them their due. If they uh, if it's something that they don't want to hear, you know I, that's that's not my fault. And
0: don't get me wrong. I think Jay Lethal's great. I think Dax is great. I just hope we can talk that out at some point, but we'll see. Yeah, Chris Hero, eh but anyway uh we got some this is a new feature nature you're ready we got some some listener emails okay uh, excuse me not emails tweets and our trusty producer steve kaufman i think it's going to punch him up but david tweets who are the top five wrestlers in selling let's narrow that down Nate. 5 is too many let's go with currently No, oh, all time let's go all time guys you worked with top top two or three wrestlers in selling easy steamboat
1: Shawn Michaels, Ricky Morton. It's that easy, huh? Top 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 three. Um, those are the top three. I'd have to think for a second. I'm not gonna argue that. Steamboat number one, Sean number two, Ricky Morton number three. Um hmm. you know who I put in the current day? Darby Allen, who we talked about before. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but here's the thing: when you're talking about the first three guys, you're talking about 20 years of experience.
0: Yep, yep. Uh, you
1: don't learn that overnight, but boy. Steamboat, I mean, just in the facials, and Sean, I mean, it's, I, I put those two guys in the class by themselves. I, Ricky's right there, but those two guys. Well,
0: what I, what I hate, Nate, and we see this a lot with younger performers because they just want to get all their spots mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. We see a lot of times a guy will take a move or a bump that could kill him, yeah. and they're up in 10 seconds because they want to get to their next spot. Darby yeah. Allen doesn't do that.
1: Hey, I'll tell you. When she, wants to, when she works babyface, but she doesn't like to do it, Sasha is one of the best selling people I've ever yep, seen. Yep, yep, you're right. So yeah, she, she doesn't like being a babyface, but when Sasha sells, it's really convincing.
0: Let's go to a tweet from Corey. Uh, was Stampede territory getting cut out of the NWA championship tour by the time you were champ, we don't hear much about flair wrestling for Stu Hart. Well, the true story is I just got the title and I was on my way to Calgary
1: to wrestle. And Bob Geigel called me, and um, somehow, some way, um, the, the, the relationship with the NWA, and I mean, I've heard different stories. I don't want to say anything that's not accurate, so I'm not going to say anything negative about anybody, but somehow there was a falling out, and they called me, and Bob said, you're not going, or bring bringing a Bachwinkle. So I've heard different stories, but I don't want to, you know, I don't want to get So, you, ne- you never worked in Stampede? Never. I went on my way. Wow. Yeah, I never, I never did. That's weird. I, was, no, I never would have thought no, that. Uh, kind of like Harley missed a shot in Houston and quit using Harley. Uh, he quit with the NWA. Paul Bosch did. And then something happened in, in uh, um, Calgary with the NWA and uh, and uh, Stu, and they brought in Bockwinkel. So, that's why I never wrestled with Brett early in his career. I wish I had.
0: Now here's a tweet from Boone. Uh, I wanted to know what the prep was like having to travel to each of the territories for the NWA. How long in advance did you know? And by that I think he means when did you get your schedule? How far in advance? Four
1: weeks. I had a four-week schedule, but I mean it never, it never, in other words, it never stopped. They just once in a while there'd be a different city in there. But like as I've said before. Um, Just to give you an example of an NWA week when I was a traveling champion. New Zealand, over to Sydney, Auckland to Sydney, Sydney to St. Louis, St. Louis back to Tokyo, all in one week. Wow. An hour each night. Mark Lewin, um, Sydney was, um, it might have been Mark Lewin both nights, but Auckland was Mark Lewin. Sydney, let's say Mark Lewin, Harley St. Louis, and then I had three hours in a row with Jumbo, um, Tenru, and so um, two, two hours, and I had a tag match with Baba and uh, I think it was Harley and I against uh, uh, Baba and Tenru.
0: Now there were occasions where you would go to, a, I mean, uh, frequently where you'd go to one promotion for like a week and just go from town yeah. to town as well, right?
1: Yeah. My, my favorite was the. T- West Palm Beach on Monday, Tampa Tuesday, Miami Wednesday, Jacksonville Thursday, Sarasota Friday, the Bayfront Center in St. Pete Saturday, Orlando Sunday. Party, 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 party.
0: <laughs> Here is a, a a a tweet from Dan. Take me back to Florida. Woo! Is, well you're there now. The Sunshine State. This is this is a good uh Text a tweet from Dan. Hey, and an hour
1: every night there. Oh, I know. I'm thinking about Eddie Gray was the hour, man. One hour, one hour, one hour. Okay.
0: Uh, Dan wants to ask you. I,
1: about- I, I had to replenish my liquids.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sure you did. You still do. Uh, <laughs> not till five, though. Not,
1: not till five.
0: It's five o'clock somewhere, buddy. <laughs> uh, a- ask him what his forehead feels like from all the color over the years. Do you even have feeling up there? No, you always it's hit ba- the same place, didn't you?
1: Side to side,
0: and in the same spot mostly, right?
1: Yeah, but I, but I went across never up and it down. That's why I don't have all the scars. Oh, it's just I- dead. It's just dead tissue.
0: So side to side scar doesn't scar you.
1: It didn't scar me,
0: but up and, and down, down does, right? I mean, look at Dusty.
1: Well, Abdullah, look at some of the guy. Uh, the Brody cut himself that way too. I mean. I'm really lucky because I cut myself every day. I mean, I have let me see if I wrestled fifteen thousand matches, I mean, who knows what. I, 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 if I didn't, if I didn't bleed, it was unusual. It's only because the promoter told me not to.
0: Well, and there <laughs> I, was, did, I
1: I didn't know how to work
0: without a bleed. <laughs> well, but there was a point, obviously, where it kind of disappeared from wrestling in the latter half of your career, right? Yeah. And that's good, right?
1: Nah, I don't know. That didn't affect me. I understand. I understand. There's a lot of reasons why it was bad, um, but I don't think. I actually, when I see it happen with someone in I think it's. I think it's good because, I mean, if you're throwing somebody into a cage, you, you know what happens. That, do you remember when Jericho picked up a TV monitor and hit me in the head with it? Right. Okay. So I, I've never put my hands up in my life except with maybe with Brody with a chair because then I would break my hands, but at least it wouldn't break my head off, you know what I mean? What do you mean with a chair? But, um, so I didn't put my hands up and Jericho hit me in the head, right? I got 25 stitches. So Vince goes, he he fined Jericho 25 grand and he said, I should find you for letting him do it. I said, let him do what? I said, said, why didn't you put your hands up? I said, I don't know, but you should have asked me that 25 years ago. But he he finds Jericho and then Dave cut himself one night he wasn't supposed to, and they find he find Dave, but he's the 100 grand.
0: Now here's a, a tweet from Battleship Bob. And this is an this is an event I remember. Ask Rick if he remembers the night in February of 87. The Jim Crockett promotions rolled into the Civic Arena, that's in Pittsburgh, and sold the place out. Probably just another night for him. But wow, as a fan, it was amazing to see him wrestle Nikita and got the DQ. Dusty beat Bubba. Or the Bunkhouse boot that was the Bunkhouse Stampede final in '87. And by the way, Nate, did you know that to this day, because there's no more Civic Arena, there's no more Igloo, it's now across the street, the PPG Paints Arena? That was the biggest wrestling crowd in Pittsburgh in uh, Civic Arena history. I did not know
1: that. Yep, wow, amazing. Yeah, I remember the night I wrestled the key a lot, and the, those Bunkhouse, like once again, I'm going back to the creativity of Dusty Rhodes, he came up with some great themes. And uh, and we had so much great talent to pull it off. It was it was great, and we all had fun. And Pittsburgh was a fun town. That Holiday Inn bar used to be live. Well, the Marriott. <laughs>
0: well, it was Holiday Inn first, then the Marriott.
1: Yeah, yeah. you're not old enough to remember the Holiday Inn.
0: <laughs> I was I, I was there. Trust me.
1: You, you <laughs> Little just, Italy, Little Italy.
0: <laughs> you just didn't know. You just didn't know me then. And, uh, but then our our first spot was. The Marriott had that kind of tiki bar, didn't oh, it? Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. The wine deal. <laughs> yeah. That's
0: where me, you and Teddy used to go.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yep. Uh, love uh, that. Right. See, so uh, Mar- 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 Marriott's gone. They've gone PG now.
0: Yeah, they really have. Uh, they really
1: I'm, have. I'm, I'm, I'm out of the Marriott gimmick.
0: Now, uh, it, it, I, I want to throw out one other thing about that, that night at February 87th. 18 to 28. No more friends, no husbands. And, and boy, they didn't need much convincing, <laughs> did they? Um, uh, that that Bunkhouse Stampede final, it, it's funny that that's the biggest crowd in Pittsburgh history in in the arena history because you would think Bruno would have mm. you know had that and Bruno did sell out the arena a number of times like that night you guys were oh there sure. stand, that night was standing room but Bruno wasn't a mm. lock in Pittsburgh to sell out simply because you saw him around town all the time does that make any yeah. sense like you know and it was and that was back in the days of Fabe. and he was like you know when I was a kid I would see Bruno with Giant Eagle. At the supermarket, maybe so, that's
1: why. Maybe that's why Charlotte stopped selling out because they saw me at every bar in Charlotte all the time.
0: Well, no, they kept selling out. <laughs> but but, but that, that's that's real recognizing real right there. Now, uh, but, but you know what? You know what? The, you know what? The two next biggest sellers were for that arena, Rick. Wow. Af- after the Bankas Stampede? believe it or not, Bob Backlund, two title defenses against Greg Valentine.
1: Oh, you told me that.
0: Yeah, yeah Greg Valentine oh. had broken Strongbow's leg. Yeah, quote unquote, like he did with Wahoo in in Crockett, same angle, and yeah. it, it made him a real credible challenger. And they they sold out for a, a regular match, then they sold out for the steel cage too.
1: No, I believe it. Yeah, and Greg Greg is a very credible performer. Yeah, no he, question. He, he, you, you couldn't see through his stuff at all.
0: Well, and Bob was a good champ too. He was a yes, vulnerable yeah. champ, and that that yeah. was that's what a babyface champ should be. Correct.
1: Yeah, you know why they
0: put the belt on Bob, right? Refresh my memory.
1: Because he could shoot.
0: Oh, that's right. That's right.
1: They didn't want it going anywhere. Bob Bob, 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 Bob Acklin was an incredible amateur wrestler.
0: Oh, no question. He was uh, NCAA Division II national champ, I want to say, once or twice.
1: North Dakota State, or South Dakota, wherever it was, yeah.
0: And back in those days, Nate, I might add, uh, I don't know if they did or didn't, but there was a time, I don't know if they did it with Backlund, there was a time when the Division II champ would go the next week to the Division I tournament. And compete. I don't, I don't know. I don't yeah. Remember they're not? Well, you, know you, you know, know. you know. who won. You know who won Division Two and Division One two years in a row, both tournaments. Remember Carlton Hasselring that ended up playing for the Steelers? Oh sure. Uh, yeah, he wanted. He won both tournaments two years in a row, maybe three. And boy, what a what a pro wrestler hit him made. I was sorry yeah. he never did more than dabble in it.
1: Yeah, you want to hear a, a story about me? Go ahead. And, and how and how afraid they were of me. <laughs> Bob Geiger calls me one day and he goes, listen, uh, they want to switch the title in Japan. Jumbo, with you and Jumbo. I said, oh, I said, we're gonna do it. He said, No, I told them no. So, and they're upset. So he said, uh, I said, so what are we gonna do? He said, Well, you're going. But I'm sending Harley with you to make sure nothing happens. <laughs> 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 so Harley, they sit out in the ring while I wrestled Jumbo for an hour. That Who says a lot it. about you and uh, Harley, I think that's uh, <laughs> not No. I think it was implying that Jumbo could could beat me if he had to. (laughs) Yeah, I I think that might have been true. Uh, Harley said, said, kid, can't this thing move along a little faster? There's cold beer waiting in the locker
0: room. (laughs) Here's a tweet from uh, somebody who calls himself me. Ask Rick about Don Owen and the Portland territory. Yeah, It's the least talked about. They had a lot of talent come from there. How often did you work for Don? Because Portland's, I, I, I
1: Portland's worked for mostly on for Roddy. Yeah, I know. I worked with Don a lot. Um, I loved it out there. Don was a great guy. Great story. The night before, I lose the belt to carry in Dallas in the, in the David Von Erich Memorial, right? I wrestled Piper for an hour in downtown, in the in the civic center, in uh, not not the not the not the rose garden or the rose plate, um, but the civic center, right? I wrestled Roddy for an hour. Special referee, Red Bastine. We stayed up and drank till six a.m. My flight was eight, so I didn't go to bed all night long. <laughs> and landed in Dallas. And went and did the thing in the afternoon with Carrie and then I took off as I, as I told you to go overseas. And Kerry missed his first shot, so they gave it back to me while I was over in Japan.
0: <laughs> is that why they switched it so fast? He missed his first shot. Where was his first shot supposed to be?
1: I don't know. I, I was. It's amazing.
0: 08. I never heard this story. Is that why they switched it back so quick? Was he supposed to have it longer?
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Boy, there is a scoop here. on That, that amazes me.
1: No, absolutely. He was supposed to have it. I, he missed his first shot. I don't know where he was. And... Um, And I don't know why I missed it. Uh, You know, if history is any true, if there's any truth in the history, there's obvious reasons why I might have missed it. But um, God, once again, the greatest kid in the world. But then, well, we all have our demons. Um, No, so I was just going over there to Russell Harley. We were getting paid a lot of money to, to Russell Harley in Singapore and in Hong Kong. And we uh, flew back into Tokyo, and they they called me and said, uh, "You're gonna take the belt off, Kerry. We're flying him over there now." So that's how that happened.
0: That's amazing. There's one of our headlines from the Rick Flair podcast. Uh, Woo! Kerry dropped the title early because he missed his uh, missed his first shot as champion. That's just incredible. Can't yeah,
1: wait. and and, now, and it could have been due to injury. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just, I, I just know he missed it. That's why okay. I got it back. It was, it was, it was within. It. Within a two week period that I yeah, had
0: two back. weeks later. Yep. Might have been 10 days. I'll look up the date we'll we'll get it next week. Here's yeah. here's one from Brian. And let me give the a brief because Rick was never going to be the third member of the NWO. But the, no. the last uh, the last part of the uh tweet intrigues me. If Sting ended up being the third man, would the NWO have been as successful? I don't think that was ever in the cards. But uh, what if Hogan didn't want to do it?
1: I don't know what they would have done with that. I I I think that they had to have Sting as the lead guy in the company to, for the NWO to fight for it to be successful.
0: Right, which he which which really made him even yeah. more so than he was.
1: Exactly. Yep. Yeah. He he did a great job with it.
0: Well, I think the third member had to be an ex WWE guy because the concept of the whole angle. And, exactly. and Believe me. Believe me. I got deposed in court for eight hours because of this. The 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 concept of the angle was it was an invading army from WWE. It had to be Hogan.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Did you think Hogan was gonna do it? Was there any dot in your mind as he ran out to the ring?
1: No. He would you know, he um he realized it was something new. And you know, he's smart. He worked out a merchandise deal, and that's you know, he's always been very smart. Unlike myself, it had good representation, which I've failed to have yet up until recently as an agent or, uh, as an attorney making decisions. But, um, he negotiated a super deal for himself and they went out and did it, but they had to have an opponent like sting and then, you know, for them to, uh, I mean, that was really the epitome of good versus bad there.
0: Here's a, here's a tweet from Ryan. Does he think Ricky Steamboat could have worked as a heel? No. Why do you say it, that? Under no circumstances.
1: No, never.
0: I didn't. I. I. I'll be honest with you.
1: Jack Briscoe worked as a heel all the time in territories, but Jack Briscoe was so damn handsome. It's hard to be that good looking and have that much skill and be so soft spoken like they both were and be a heel. I. I, I just. I, I would have never bought it. You know. And I. And I. And I. I've known both very well. I was very close to Jack. You know. And I'm. Still very close to Steamboat, but no, I, uh, there's some guys just can't do it. Um, you know who who who, who, is, who is that did it the best? It could be both. Is Sean? Yeah, for the, sure. But 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 in real life, Sean could be a prick. That's the difference. Steamboat, there's not there's not the word the word prick does not exist in Steamboat vocabulary.
0: Oh no, I, I well, I've been around both, and I like Sean a great deal too. And you know he. No, no, I don't. No, but I mean, he could be an arrogant prick. I didn't mean a prick in real life. Right. Oh, <coughs> he, okay, he, right. Uh, No, I meant he can
1: think heel. He can be... I didn't mean a prick in real life. Oh, right. I I meant to be a heel, you
0: got to be a dick. So you don't think Ricky could think heel? No. That's interesting. I would have liked to have seen him try it. Let me me offer some evidence to the contrary, though. I Mm. never thought Backlund could be a heel. And when he finally did it in his comeback, he was unbelievable.
1: Yeah, but... You know, you're you're comparing apples and oranges there. I mean, that's...
0: Yeah, Backlund didn't have the look Steamboat did. That's for sure. Very few did.
1: Who did? I mean, who did?
0: And uh, here's one from Jordan. Have you seen a match from the current era that matches the emotion, storyline, etc. of your Steamboat feud? I'm assuming he means in 1989. I thought that Mr. Flair's feud with Steamboat is my all-time top three-match series as a fan. (laughs) I would agree with that being the best three-match series ever, but I also hasten to, to add that, uh, and you and, and Ricky told me when I saw you at your birthday party that you guys had matches just as good as that at house shows in the 70s in Crockett many, many times.
1: Yes, that's true. Uh, I haven't seen a feud like that because it was the ultimate bad, the ultimate good. Um, you know, I thought the stuff would take her, and Sean was great. I mean, I, 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 I know I'm repeating myself here. Trying to think. I, I'll tell you, the best feud they got going in the business right now is Becky and Ashley. <laughs> not saying it because she's my daughter, but that's, to me, that's the hottest thing. That I, when I do these, these when these uh, Comic Cons and these signings with, with like real athletes and real, no, not real athletes, with, with people that are, that are athletes in other sports, and they always talk to me about Charlotte.
0: Yeah, no. well, I'll tell you what. I think that is the best feud, even though they're not currently feuding. I'll tell you a few I'm looking forward to, if they do it right, is Punk and MJF. Yeah. yeah their yeah. promo battle, even though they did a couple things. Like, like I, let me ask you this, Rick, as kind of a side note. On TBS and TNT, you're allowed to swear X amount, okay? And they use shit, and, you know, they had uh, Punk had the fans chanting Needle Dick at MJF. Uh, the Inner Circle guys always flip the bird. I just don't think that's necessary. And I think if you're trying to grow your audience, it can be kind of productive. I think if you're trying to grow your audience, you don't have to be PG-13, but you shouldn't be hard R either. I think you're super serving the fans you already have when you do that, the hardcore ones, but I think you already got them. What's your take on the profanity that, again, I think there's too much in AEW?
1: Um. Well,
0: they're they're doing the exact opposite
1: as WWE, so and Vince is not going to move off his PJ his PG 13 or his PG whatever I mean they're allowed to say a word here and there but um you know he uh, I I think he, that in, I'm I'm sensing that in, the people that run the company Vince and whoever else that they are chasing down the advertising Couple of the advertisers that won't allow that kind of conversation.
0: To be I got to be honest, Rick. I can't think of one advertiser in the world that would be crazy about Needle Dick being chanted on national TV.
1: No, I can't either. But um, you know, it, everybody's got a different thought process. I'm not the booker. I'm not charging. No, no, no. It. Hey, what they um, want to
0: do is what they want to do, and it's a great product. It's been very successful. I just, yeah. I, I don't. I'll put, let me ask you this. If you had if back when, when you did promos, if you had the option to swear or didn't or or, or not, what would you have done? I
1: ne- I never did swear. That's what I mean. Yeah, I didn't.
0: And finally, let's do let's do one more here. And this is uh,
1: I I tell you something I was gonna say about Punk. Now Punk had a hell of a match with that young man, I can't think of his name, the other night, right? Oh, with Lee Moriarty. Uh, yeah, yeah. was a I, Pittsburgh kid who was not bad. You're right. That was a good yeah, match. Yeah, yeah, very good match. But I think that sometimes, that, in their in their attempt to keep him undefeated, they put him in a scenario where he's out there too long. Even though he made that kid and had a great match, I I would have shortened it up because, I mean, if, if he's their biggest star, you know, no matter how talented uh, is it Moriarty. Yeah, Lee Moriarty. He's
0: he's very right. talented. But, but you don't I, I, need I, you don't need to make him. Lee Moriarty's not going to be a headliner for you probably ever. Well, I don't I don't know the answer to that because I have
1: I don't know enough about him, but I don't think that, that punk needs to be out there that long. I think they can have just as good a match in a shorter period of time.
0: I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. One more <coughs> uh, tweet before we wrap this I, up.
1: Especially, especially as he's heading as he's heading into a, a match with MGF.
0: Right, right. Uh, here's one from Slam Jam Show, whatever that is, and this is kind of a weird one. Was there ever any alternative ideas for the name of the Four Horsemen group? And if not, could you suggest what kind of name you would have wanted to use? Nate, if I'm not mistaken, there was no plan to name the group. It was kind of organic.
1: Arne. Arne did it. And and just a promo off the top of his head. It's all Arne's idea.
0: He had to own the trademark. (laughs) Yeah, well, what were Arne's exact words? Uh, The apocalypse of the Four Horsemen. Right, right. He said... There, there haven't been a group of men that have caused this much havoc since the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. And then the next week on TV, people are holding up four fingers.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: It was and that was so. And you know what, Nate? That goes to show you, the best wrestling gimmicks are the most organic. Exactly. The ones that the fans don't come up with, but kind of,
1: kind of. And, and I can assure you that Iron and I were out till five a.m. Went back to the hotel, took a shower, drank two cups of coffee, and Iron just thought I would come off. He <laughs> aren't talk, man. Oh, no question. I, I, I said it before. He should be talking more on uh, AEW, in my opinion.
0: I remember Tony Schiavone said on, on one of his interviews that I think it was a week or two weeks later when 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 he said to you guys, this four horsemen thing, I think you guys are onto to something. And he said that you guys had no idea what he was talking about.
1: No, we didn't. But Schiavone used to like to go in a road because he always tells stories about me on his podcast. right. Next week, let's tell a Tony Schiavone nature boy story.
0: Well, there you go. That is a great way to wrap this up.
1: Tony, look forward to it. Something about some place we found in Cheyenne, Wyoming. 30 miles out of town.
0: Well, that, if, that's not, if that's not a great piece, Nate, I don't know what is. Uh, as always, a great job by you. Hey, listen, it, well, I, if I'm trying to find something, I'm going to find it anywhere. <laughs> gee, no kidding. Let me, let me Wheeling, West Virginia, what was that place called?
2: Charleston,
0: West Virginia, what was that place called? Erie, PA. Jo- 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 Joey's. Joey's. How
1: do you, re- how
0: do you remember that?
1: Oh, I don't know, because I probably spent a half million dollars there for, for a 20-year period.
0: <laughs> I, I, I seem to recall that being one of my maiden voyages of being in a headlock and having kamikazes poured down my throat.
1: Mean <laughs> yeah, yeah. me and Gene and I and Sherry Martell's. Everybody went to Pittsburgh to fly out to go overseas. And Sherry, myself and Gene stayed
0: there and got drunk. We damn near missed the plane to go to Europe. <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> well, let's wrap it up on that note before we go too far. Nate is always great stuff. Go blue. Say it one go. time Go blue. Go blue. Woo. Woo. That is Ric Flair. I am Mark Madden. Thanks to Steve Kaufman, our producer. And we'll do it again next week here on Woodish. Steve, Woo Nation thank you very much. Uncensored. Woodish. Woo. Woo.